Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other music professionals. We're your hosts, myself, Matt Denton, also known as Mojo, of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a recording artist and mix engineer. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Studio, a mastering and recording engineer. Hey, check deck. What's up? What is up? I got my tea. I got my Christmas lights. <laughs> I'm uh, got my sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm set. Nice. I got sparkling water. There you go. Yeah, I was drinking uh, mineral water earlier. No Christmas lights here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> it's just, it's so different. I absolutely love them, man. That, that looks really good. I don't know if listeners have checked out your Instagram, but what you posted, that was sweet. Oh, I, yeah. I might do another live uh, after, although it won't be, it'll be daytime, but I'll, I might do another live after this week's DIY music chat. Um, do you get a time limit to save those stories to your IG TV? No idea. Okay. <laughs> I'm still kind of a noob when it comes to the video stuff. Um, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How's your day been? Can't complain. Really just, uh, it was a good day, I guess. By sum of everything up. You were working on your studio today, right? Yeah, this evening I have been been or, painting. Or at least that was the that was the plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just doing painting now. Yeah. Primer, one coat, two coat. Oh, um, I'm doing finished coat, two coats on the trim molding. Cool. And I'm on my second coat now. Oh, it should be done. So you, the trim's up already, so you're yeah. taping. You're taping around it. Nah. I tape is for sissies. Tape is for sissies. Use a paint shield. You just kind of no, it up there man. I just oh, I, you freestyle. I cut in. Oh, you cut in. It's like this meditative state that I get into, <laughs> and it's it is it. I I really like it because it's total concentration for the entire time. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I like to paint the trim first and then paint around it because then you can just like take that bead and go right up to the. Trim. Oh yeah, I I put it up primed and then I do top coat on the wall. Oh, nice. Cool, cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that your studio is coming along. Yeah, slowly but surely. I, uh, I'm gonna guess I'll start moving stuff in about a week and a half. Oh yeah. So have you figured out your like your coat over, your coat over process so you don't lose have a lot of downtime? I'm not so busy that that's a problem for me, but I know it's a problem for you. Yeah, it's actually I'm gonna have downtime. I'm gonna take six days of downtime over the holidays. Oh, okay. I've got uh, like Thursday, Friday for, you know, the holiday. And then I'm also going to have the studio down on Monday and Tuesday. So I'll just take the whole long weekend and make the transition. Cool. That's the plan anyway. I'm going to start yeah. on recovering the acoustic panels on Monday. So I should oh, be- I'll be done. Have you done one yet so you can kind of figure out how long it's going to take you? Nah, it's, I, I'm just planning on one a night. So, um, oh, and I'm going to hang it back up where it is now. And then when they're all done I'll, and I'm ready to transition, I'll just be, move everything in at one time. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Not bad. Cool. The hard part's going to be the, my cloud panels, which are on the ceiling above me. Right. And those are a pain in the butt. So, you know, to hang those and stuff. But those don't have to be recovered, though. They just need to be taken down and moved to the other area of ceiling. So. Yeah. Is anyone helping you with any of that? No. <laughs> some, some of that stuff sounds like more than a one-person job. I'm using cables for the clouds. 
And yeah. I can let them down from the ceiling. So they're only like four feet off the ground when I'm working on them. Oh, okay. And then they've got a little kind of like a cable catch. And so you can pull the loose end of the cable through and, and then it holds it so it doesn't come back down. And you just mm-hmm. do a couple corners at a time and go around and lift it up. Not bad. Oh, okay. Just, just curious. getting the hardware <laughs> mounted and, you know, measuring everything out and finding the ceiling joists and everything. It's a pain. Oh, right. Yeah. Doing the little stud finder thing. Yeah. Going, well, that's not where I thought that was. <laughs> and I can't really do it until I figure out where my desk is going because they need to be at a specific location above me. Oh, true. Anyway, it's going well, good. That's all I'm very exciting. looking forward to the transition. So, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I uh, hope you're like documenting the whole process with uh, pictures and stuff. I yeah, I've seen a few. taking some pictures. And there's, I took a picture last night and it looked just like the one I took before. So <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me with yard work. You know, I'll do yard work all morning and my wife will say, it looks exactly the same. Yeah. I'm like, well, I filled two giant bins of stuff. Yeah, but it's got another <laughs> sweating coat of, buckets. It's got another coat of white on it. Can't you tell? Right. You can't tell. <laughs> Oh, with the right light, you can go, oh, God, I missed a spot. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that sounds like something that I would want to put off a little bit, the whole <laughs> second coat. I, have the, I can't put it off, man. It's, you know, I've got to get this thing done. So, And I want to get this thing done. I think that's uh, an important thing to, you know, you got to want to. And, right. You know, and it, when that's combined with a need to, <laughs> but sometimes you get into problems with needs to, but don't really want to. And yeah, I get that a lot. You, you know, you you feel like, and I think that sometimes you have to switch that from half the have to to get to. I heard that that's a good trick to to combat that feeling where you're like, ah, oh, I got a bad case of the I don't want us. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is though is that I have always done my best, my absolute best work under pressure. And I have intentionally just waited because I know that I I get into this like creative zone out of force as right. a result of a looming deadline, you know. And um a lot of things happen for me when I get into that crunch time part. So sometimes I leverage that, you know, intentionally. Yeah, that's not a it's not a bad strategy if you truly know yourself well enough to know you can still get it done. I've seen it fail. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but my kid um, <laughs> as it falls into the trap of uh, waiting until it's too late, thinking that he can pull a rabbit out of a hat and then fails to pull a rabbit out of a hat. Yeah. So I, there's like, there's got to be a sense of pride in being able to pull it off. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and doing it, you, get in, you know, executing and you know that's something that i definitely shared with my son is that you know procrastination is an art so right yeah it certainly can be and i boy i mean i can't i mean i can't blame the guy because that is i mean he wasn't there but that is certainly how i went through school oh sure i mean i pulled my first all-nighter in fifth grade like it was (laughs) it was it was my mo all the way until you know, I graduated college. I mean, I'll never forget. It got the worst it ever got. Now, bear in mind that I went to college went before everybody had a, their own computer. Like we had to use, we had to type our papers. And, uh, and I had, there was a typewriter in the 
in the library that you can use. And I'll never forget the one time that I actually waited so long that I was typing the paper in the library during the class period that the paper was due in. And I went to the end of the class that I'd skipped and turned the paper in. That was the lowest point of my procrastination career. I kind of vowed after that that it wasn't worth the the rush and the there's there's a better way to to get yourself to focus i think than than pulling stuff like that off yeah <laughs> but yeah so our topic tonight uh is uh as you could tell procrastination and we had this talk in i don't i don't know that you were there but we had it in uh, the diy music chat a couple of weeks ago and it was kind of illuminating to me because i had thought because of my own personal experience like i just said That procrastination is either like you do it on purpose because, you know, it makes you focus and gives you that adrenaline rush. And that kind of becomes a like a not a virtuous cycle, but a vicious cycle, a habit. Um, And it does it often will come back and bite you in the ass, but you can leverage it for positive. Um, But my other thinking is that procrastination is is often comes from fear, like you're afraid of an outcome. So you put off a thing, particularly I feel like the more important a thing is, the more likely it can be that you would push it off um, because having a negative outcome is is too, the thought of having a negative outcome is too problematic. So you want to, because if you don't do a thing, you can't fail at it, right? Oh, true. Um, but uh, boy, during the discussion, it came back like there's all these different nuances to reasons people might put things off um, that I hadn't even really considered. And I had to kind of check myself because people were bringing up the idea that, you know, some certain situations, they might actually be triggers from past trauma that you may not even remember. Um, You're putting certain, if you find yourself putting off certain things and you're not even sure why, uh, you might have to think back to a time where that particular thing or something like it was, you know, caused you misfortune or, or great stress or, or, you know, something traumatic that you're carrying forward. And that's something that I'd never considered. Yeah, you know, I was going to mention fear as being a, you know, a procrastination, you know, root cause or something like that. Um, sometimes it's just fear of getting started. Like, you know, the whole process is, or the, the whole project, I mean, is mm-hmm. so large and there's so much. Think about it when you get all your, all your um, raw recording tracks in. Right. And you're just sitting down and... Let's say you've got like a hundred tracks. Yeah. And it's just like trying to get to the point of where to begin. Yeah, it's daunting sometimes. Yeah. And that that can definitely set you back. Right. There's a lot of things. So I'm trying to relate it to mixing, but you know, that type of thing comes in. But I've always just relied on process. Mm-hmm. And because once once you have a way of doing things. You're still going to have the same process, even though it's a completely different project. Mm-hmm. But you can apply your your process or your system to it every time once you develop that process or system. And yeah, I think systems are important, especially yeah. when it comes to big projects. And a part of a system can either be, you know, how you manage your time or how you manage your project or both. Like right. Breaking up a project into manageable chunks uh, that you can attack methodically in a you know more manageable, timely fashion. Right. 
So I yeah, think we all I, know that whole that you know when you make a to do list or you have a project that's looming so large that it just seems like so much work that it just makes you want to take a nap. Yeah, <laughs> instead of doing the project, you're like, oh my god, this is the thought of this is just thinking about it is so much work. I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I stick to the the idea that an object in motion tends to stay in motion. And once I have momentum, then it's easier for for me to keep that forward motion going. And, you know, and that's productivity. And that's, you know, so it's the getting started part from a standstill that's hard for, for me. And, you know, as I said, I have a process that I follow. You know, like in mixing, you know, I know where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with drums because that's the way I like to work. And so in that large 100 track project, I can narrow that down to maybe it's 15 or 20 drum tracks or something like that. Now I've got a bite sized chunk I can manage. I don't have to worry about the other stuff yet. And I can just start. And once I get rolling, set up my session and drag all the tracks into the DAW and, and just get the sessions set up, you know, it's, I'm already moving then. So then it's getting more fun because now I'm getting into listening and, and working with the mix and balancing and all those things that we do. But I think it's momentum, you know? Yeah. It, or momentum uh, uh, in terms of inertia, which is the object at rest tends to stay at rest. So if you like it's the the push to get started. I do. I agree. It's a, it, that's a big deal to go from zero to any movement yeah. is the big push. And once you start going, then you tend to kind of keep going. And that's think not to, to say sometimes you start and then you start over, <laughs> you know, <true. laughs> and maybe a couple times or whatever, but you can kind of get yourself into a dead end sometimes. And, and that's okay. Got to run with it. And what did you learn from hitting the wall? Right. And where do you, you need to start over again? And how are you going to avoid that same path going forward the next time? Yeah. So that's so like if you have a project like that where you're not really sure where to begin or or it's just so big that you I mean, I've told my kids this like, hey, if you don't know where to start, then it doesn't really matter where you start. Just start and then it'll kind of tell you where to go. Because yeah. if you've done it before, then you know what to expect and you know where okay, well, I can't just start mixing. I have to import these in. I have to color code them. I have to find out what these weirdly labeled ones actually are. I got to, you know, level match them. I mean, because there's a whole pre-start process. And I think probably a lot of projects have that kind of big picture thing that you have to do at the beginning to get yourself set up for success at the beginning. But if you don't know, you know, where to go from point A because it's new to you, then yeah, just start and let the project tell you where to where to go from there. Yeah, you know, and in post-production and mastering, it's easy because the first thing I need to do is listen. So all right. I got all I got to do is hit the play button, you know? And that's the beginning because I first need to assess what it is that I'm going to need to do. And I ha- I haven't heard a tra- the track before and it's going to tell me what it's going to need, you know, and yeah. as I work on it, it'll keep telling me more. But initially, I just need to hit the play button and I I sit and listen and then I begin setting up my levels, like you said. I, I think this could apply to mixing just as well, even though with when you combine all your raw tracks, sometimes that's a cacophony, you know, and right. <laughs> but 
pare it down to where it's just the drum tracks or just the bass tracks. You might only have a, a few of those and just start listening because it's at that point. There shouldn't be any moves made until you've listened to something in your EQ or whatever. That stuff is all determined at runtime, basically. Right. And that all presupposes the, the you know, the pre-work there, too. You know, you, you, you don't just listen first. You, you have a conversation with the artist and say, what, you, what are your intentions? And then, you know, kind of get a direction to go in before you probably even hear the track. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the whole... Yeah, I think just start. I think that that's that's too simple, right? But that's really what it's always going to come down to, right? But if you have trouble starting, I think it sometimes does it does sometimes help to kind of question, okay, what is it that I'm afraid of or what is it what is a reason that what's what's keeping me from starting? This is it daunting? Am I am I afraid of an outcome? Am I afraid of failing? Am I afraid of succeeding? Um, you know, I do think that hesitation generally comes from fear. And, uh, sometimes it's just that it's, maybe you're just afraid of, you know, the work. Yeah. Um, uh, or uncertainty. Yeah. Because right. Isn't that like part of our lizard brain causes us to fear the unknown because that the darkness, the unknown, that's where, you know, that's where the danger is. Right. Um, you know, but you, the work that's in front of you is not going to kill you. <laughs> so it's a really, it's an irrational fear, but it may be linked, um, as I had pointed out to me, it may be linked to a past trauma, which is something that I had not considered that certain types of projects I will dive into and certain types of projects I will put off, possibly yeah. irrationally, possibly to the point where I ask myself, why am I putting this off? I have no reason to put this off. I said I wanted to do it. And here I am doing everything except this thing. Which, it might uh, be valuable to weird. ask, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great, that's a great trick. What is the worst thing that can happen? Uh... Usually it's it's not not much of a big deal. Sometimes it is a big deal. Sometimes what's the worst that can happen? Uh, the client hates my work, tells his friends that my work is terrible, and and I make no money off it. Um, usually that's not how that goes. But you're certainly not going to die from it. Um, Just considering, yeah, you could potentially lose a client. Um, yeah, that's not a great thing to have happen. But no, but. <laughs> You're not going to lose a client until the end, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the worst thing that could happen in the long run. What's the, what's the worst thing that could happen in starting that you'd have to start over again? Probably. Yeah. Cause if you haven't, if you haven't done the work yet, then you've risked nothing. <laughs> yeah. You haven't even risked time or effort. Um, I think it's valuable to know that we have absolutely no control over outcomes especially when involving other people. And That's an excellent point. It could be that in our own minds, we've created a, a work of art. <laughs> and you could be very, very happy with it and love it. But maybe it's stylistically different than what the expectations were. Or maybe, you know, we've talked about this, and the, the, the client just has a different perspective or something. And... It didn't come across or whatever. Right. But again, in that case, it depends who you're working with. I mean, I've never worked with anybody that when I've done something that I, where I introduced something from me, that I was a creative part of what I was doing, where they didn't like it, mm -hmm. that fired me. Right. You know, that's, that's never happened. It's, it's always been, I'm not digging that. I think we'd like to, to be more like, 
this, whatever that is, you know? Right. And please redo it. Right. So that's a revision. No big yeah. deal. Which is part of the job. Yeah. And uh, I think some people get hung up on, oh, man, I got to do a revision. Well, I give my clients as many revisions as they want at no additional charge. Yeah, I do the same. I don't care. The whole point is that this is going to be absolutely what you want when we're done. And we're not done until then. Right. Because they need to be happy and it's their music ultimately. Yeah. And I think there's more appreciation that comes out of that. And there's understanding that we're going to work to those ends together. And it's a team collaboration to serve the music in the way that it's in the artist's vision. Yeah. If you have that perspective versus um, in a business, uh, you get three revisions or or it's extra fees and, you know, and everything that goes along with that. I mean. Yeah, I've heard people, I've heard people do that. Sure. I don't like that. I don't either. Maybe some studios need to do that. And I know recording time is going to be like that. Honestly, if I was running a recording studio, I, unless I had other clients coming in, I would just continue recording. Now, after the fact, if you blew it and an artist had to come back in for another take for some reason and mm-hmm. wrong mic, bad cable, noise, you know, in the signal, whatever, that's kind of a bummer, you know? Yes. Yeah. now we've inconvenienced the client to that point. Right. Or there might be release deadlines. And revisions are encroaching upon the time that's needed in order to, you know, package and distribute. True. It's going to take four weeks to uh, get all the printing and all the copying or getting the the glass masters created and, yeah. and stuff like that. But certainly that could go bad. So there's a lot of reasons, I guess, where not getting it right in a certain amount of revisions, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Or blowing it when you got to have someone come back in, you know, so, and that's going to be paying real close attention to the detail on those things to make sure that they don't go bad. Right. Hopefully you only make that mistake once and you'll learn for next time. Yeah. I mean, a professional recordist is going to know that everything is working and, and the mics are set up correctly and sound checks and uh, doing a few takes before we really get going on it and all the time the whole while it's being recorded so listening back to stuff during the process and you know making sure that you're getting the quality of recording that you intend to yeah so on the on the topic of artistry and recording so what about when it's your own creative project that you find yourself putting off like like you know you 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 you're working on a song but you find yourself you know, doing chores or doing this or doing that or watching YouTube or, you know, putting off your own, your own happiness, your own project, your own thing that you say that you want to do. And you find yourself doing that. Have you ever done that? Yeah. You know, I heard someone, um, didn't hear them actually. I read someone posting how when they sit down and they're, they're recording and doing takes or working in their post-production that after a certain amount of time, you know, maybe an hour or two, that they really kind of lose the feels for it at a certain point in time. And they enjoy the process much more when they hit it in 20 to 30 minute uh, time boxes. Oh, that's interesting. And just come down, do the thing for a bit, spend 30 minutes on it and step away. Go do something else for a little bit and then come back 
you know, and take care, you know, take care of those chores or whatever it is for a bit and come back and then focus time for another 30 minute time box or whatever. It's an individual thing. If, if you're good for an hour, then time box an hour for what you're doing and then yeah. give your ears a rest or your fingers or whatever, and then come back to it. Yeah. I feel like part of that, I think it helps if you're able to set stuff up and leave it set up so that you can go and record a vocal or, um, plug in your guitar, do a quick warm up and then record. Like if you have to pull stuff out and plug it in and check the levels and do all that stuff, well then you're adding you're doubling your time, you know, you're adding a half an hour to the process and then that becomes, you know, that's that's resistance, that's a that's a that's friction, that's a roadblock to you getting your creativity done. Yeah. I think I just was thinking of something um I think part of that type of procrastination putting off your own project, putting off your own happiness. I think some of that um, could be related to guilt. Like, you know, you have things that you quote unquote should be doing and you don't give yourself the necessary permission to either do the thing that you enjoy that seems frivolous because that's probably related to something somebody told you in the past, or um, you feel like you're going to suck at it and you don't give yourself permission to suck at it for a while because everybody sucks at anything they try until they do it long enough that they're better at it. I mean, that goes for anything anybody does anywhere. Uh, I always read about, you know, you don't see uh, toddlers like stopping trying to walk just because they fall down a lot. They don't care. (laughs) They don't care what they look like when they fall down. They don't care that it hurts a little. They're going to walk no matter what you do. They're going to walk no matter how many times they fall down. And I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough permission to either A, suck at the thing that we like to do, uh, or B, um, do it even though it doesn't have an, you know, a, a perceived value. It doesn't have a perceived outcome that is valuable compared to, say, doing the dishes, doing the laundry, um, working, working, reading a book. You know, the, the things that people give real value to or that need to be done. I think, it's, I think there's might be a guilt factor sometimes in putting off some of those things. You know, to your point of, of having to... T- tear down and set up in in between every time you come you know i i can't stress enough that the importance of having your space whatever yes. that is it, it could be a corner of your room and where you can leave your stuff set up where you can have a guitar and a stand so that you can just right. grab it getting the barriers out of the way because the energy spent and setting up, I mean, even recalling, I mean, if, you, if you're in the middle of trying to record a vocal and then you need to leave, but that means you need to put everything away right. and then come set back up. Well, it's, there's no way you're ever going to do a punch in because it's going to be, it's going to sound different. It's not going to yeah, be the no same matter what setup. you do. It'll always sound a little different. Yeah. And so you're really limiting yourself and to having to have a full good take and taking away your opportunity to come back in and just punch in to fix a little bit of pitchiness in in, mm-hmm. in the verse or something like that. And I would consider what can I do to ensure that I've got just a dedicated space, even if it's a corner table, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Where I can set up my computer and maybe I've got a little two mic pre- input, you know, and a microphone on a stand that I can just leave it there. All I need to do is back my chair away, <laughs> you know, and get up and go. <laughs> yeah. And when I come back, my stuff's all set up, you know, my session is still set up and all I got to do is 
is turn on my interface or whatever. And I don't know about you. I leave my computers on all the time. The session for me is already set up when I come back to it. I just save, you know, (laughs) but right. (laughs) And back up. But yeah, anyway, um, that would be like a, the best suggestion I give someone who's always having to tear down and put things away every time. I'm sure there's like, yeah, yeah. well, I got this three-year-old, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I was just going to say, if you have a toddler, you probably don't want to put your, you know, $2,500 less Paul out on a stand where they can knock it over and break the headstock, but, um, hang it on the wall, baby gates (laughs) or whatever, whatever works for you. Think creatively and, you know, protect your stuff. I've, I've gone through it. You've gone through it. Oh, yeah. I've still got my guitars. <laughs> right. And uh, keep one out for the toddler, you know, Here, get the, the ukulele <laughs> yeah, or something. And Yeah, go get a, yeah, get a, you know, one of those little small squires and let the, let the little kid go at it. Yeah. And otherwise, how are they going to, how, they, how else are they going to get appreciation early for musical instruments? Yeah. Right? How else are they going to learn the frustration? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I was going to say also, um, Set an, set an appointment for yourself. Uh, I was going to tie this into the idea that if waiting till the last minute gives you energy, then set then if you have trouble finishing something or starting something, uh, set yourself a deadline. Set yourself um, a you know kind of like a, a fake you know if maybe it's not really due, but you can set yourself a timeline, a deadline, or a you know a goalpost um, that gives you that same kind of energy by or. Or schedule an appointment with yourself. Say, okay, at three o'clock, I'm going to put my other stuff away and I'm going to play guitar for half an hour. And you, and honor yourself, honor honor your appointment with yourself, and give yourself that that credit to to do that thing, that permission to do that thing. I find that when you, if you keep finding yourself getting distracted and thinking of other things, then when you block out a certain amount of time, even if it's a small amount of time to start a project or to to do a thing, then you've a, giving yourself permission to do it, and B, giving yourself permission not to think about all those other things just for that little amount of time. And that level of, that kind of double-edged sort of focus is going to propel you forward faster than um, just kind of doing something half-assed or, you know, randomly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think another idea that might have merit is to have the next thing in mind and it being something that you're looking forward to getting started on. Yep. And because there's finishing is a whole different energy than starting. True. And in order to finish something, um, not to say you can't have more than one thing going on at a time. You know, I'm going to work on this song today or this one tomorrow and or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can have multiple things. But if you're working in a kind of kind of linear fashion where you definitely know you want to finish this first thing, even though you got the second thing going at the same time, but there's an order of, of things. Right. Then you can be looking forward to getting into the next thing full steam by finishing what you've gone, got going on right now. True. And having those motivations that you can create for yourself to grab that energy of being able to start and apply to feeding energy to finish this so I can get there. Yeah, I like that. It's a good point, though, about order of operations, because, you know, like I said earlier, if you don't know where to start, then it doesn't matter and you'll figure it out as you go. But with a lot of projects, especially ones you've done before, you know that there's a certain order of things. You can't just, like I said, you can't just start mixing a song. First, there's a whole lot of prep. 
you know, there's a whole bunch of things you have to do to get to the fun part, really. Yeah. Uh, but you can find the fun in the other thing. You can, it, because that's a, that first part, that prep part, that's kind of a discovery process. And there's some fun to that, too. I had something in mind, darn it, and it left me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so where where's the negative energy that's holding you back? What's the cause of that? And what do you know of yourself that works for you to move through that stuff? You know, you got to kind of draw on that. Yeah, and some of it's just habit or bad habit or stories that, stories that you tell yourself about yourself that may or may not be true that you might be able to circumvent. And I find sometimes this is, again, is like too simple to be good advice, but it works as well as anything. <laughs> you don't feel like starting it. Start it anyway. Just don't even think about it. Because I think it's really our thoughts and our and like our thoughts. We, we talk ourselves out of things. And sometimes just making that voice shut up and just beginning. Um, or even saying, okay, you know what? I know I don't want to do this, um, but I'm just going to give this 15 minutes and see what happens. And sometimes once you, you, you realize sometimes that the thing that you've been putting off is not as hard. It doesn't take as long and it's, uh, it's not as problematic as you thought it was. In fact, you probably spent more time thinking about it, putting it off and fretting about it than you would have, uh, just starting it and finishing it. <laughs> right. Kind of like this podcast. <laughs> 39 minutes ago, I was trying to get started with audio problems. You know, what kind of things are blocking you? Right. Well, my focus was on solving the audio problems. It wasn't on starting the podcast. It's taking a look at what the problems are and dealing with the problems so that you can move on. Right. Unblocking yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because nothing else could happen until I fix that issue. Right. Order of operations. Yeah. I feel like this all comes back to the same few things. <laughs> yeah. Reduce the friction, whatever that is, and start and gain momentum and see where that takes you. Yeah. And enjoy the process. And before you know it, you'll be at the end of the podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Episode 51 in the bag. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to have some offline discussions about uh, about season two and when we're starting that and how that's going to uh, how that's going to change, if anything. And yeah, I don't know if we're rolling right into it or I know I plan on just continuing. But then I I I had thought that we started in January last year. Oh, and yeah, then no, it was December. The episode numbers weren't lining up to the weeks of the year. And I was like, what's going on? And now we're done at the end of November. Right. <laughs> is the season starting in season two going to start in December or do we take a break or I don't know? What well, to, these are good questions, but we probably shouldn't put off having that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, uh, yeah, let's schedule, uh, let's schedule some time this weekend to talk about that. All right. Yeah, because we've got like, a whole season two theme to figure out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about that. I'm sure our three listeners are too. I'm sure. They are. <laughs> sure. <they are>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Doug. This has been a very, very good talk. I think. Yeah. Nice to talk to you again. As yeah. Always good to talk to you too. And listeners, yeah, thank will. you for joining us for episode yes, thank 51. You ever so much. Yeah. Thanks. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you tuning in and. uh yeah, hit us up on our socials if you ever want to chat offline. Right on. Have a great week. Have a great week, guys. Cheers. Right, cheers.
Well, that's it for another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, leave us a comment or review and share with your friends. Hit us up on our website at IndieMusicCast.com. Find myself on Twitter at Mojo's Army. Find Douglas on Twitter at Rezo Studio. Thanks. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>